Thank you, thank you. Let's bow together. Father, right now, uh, we don't want just another worship service to go by. Uh, we want to encounter you. We want to hear from you. So I pray now that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'd speak to every single heart. And God, I pray as well for our students as they have experienced uh, just an awesome weekend, that they would continue going forth, uh, really increasing in their love, not only for you, but also for others, increasing in their faith, their firm conviction in who you are, increasing as well in their hope. And God, their hope, their understanding of the reality that you are coming again. And God, I pray this morning as we've gathered together to worship uh, that we truly would encounter your word and you'd change our lives. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray and everybody said, amen. Hey, you got a Bible? Say yes. And let me invite you to open it with me, if you will, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. And as you're opening up your Bible, I want to put you on notice of what we are planning on doing throughout uh, this month leading up to Easter. Concord Baptist Church has an awesome privilege to help get the gospel out in Southeast Asia. As a matter of fact, Walt Avra, who is a, a church member of ours, is actually a missionary in Southeast Asia in a predominantly Muslim culture. And so what we're doing over the next few weeks is we're going to be raising funds and giving you an opportunity to actually give to help purchase SD cards. SD cards are these little cards that people get and they put them inside their telephone in this particular country and they can watch videos. And the video that will be on these SD cards will actually be the Jesus film. They will have the New Testament in drama in their own language, whether it be Sindhi or Undu. So their language is going to be there. And what's neat is they love to get these things and they'll slip them into their uh, little uh, television device or the telephone devices open it up and they'll watch it. They don't have telecommunications like you and I have, so they long and look forward to those opportunities. And what's cool as well, as I've been told, whenever they get these, they not only watch them, but they get everybody in their house to gather around a little bitty uh, telephone, a small screen, and they watch the truth of who Jesus is. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. And you can go right out into the foyer, and there in the foyer you'll see a large SD disc. That's going to be one of our Easter celebrations, helping get the gospel out to Southeast Asia. Amen? So I'm pretty fired up about that. So Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. We continue a message series entitled, I'm Okay with God. As we've been going through Luke chapter 13, we're reminded that the Lord has called you and I to make disciples. And we're to do that everywhere. And in order to make a disciple, what we must do is actually share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we elevate the truth of who Jesus is. We talk about his pure life. We talk about his sacrifice on the cross, his payment for our sin. We talk about his burial. We talk about his resurrection and we encourage people to repent of their sin and place their faith in the Lord Jesus. And we are encouraging them even in our current culture. Now, I've only lived in White County and uh, Hall County for a couple of years now, but I have learned a little bit of the culture. Uh, one of the things that I have learned is most people who live around here think that they are okay with God. Some of them believe they're okay with God because there's no tragedy in their life. We talked about that last Sunday. So they're like, there's no big thing happening right now to me. I've not got my ceiling falling in on my head, so God must be okay with me. I must be okay with God. And then there are some, as we looked at last week, who think they are okay with God simply because they believe God exists. So I have had the opportunity to share the gospel one-on-one -on -one with somebody. They're like, oh, yeah, I already know all that. Man, I believe in God. But you know, we know that the scripture teaches that even the devil believes in God, but that doesn't make him okay with God. And so there's much more to the gospel. But I've also discovered, and we'll see in Luke chapter 13, that there are people who think that they are okay with God simply because they are good people. 
And so they begin to think about the law of God, and they think that they've got this law kind of cracked. They have lived up to the standard of God's holiness, and they go around and they actually brag or speak about their own self-righteousness. You know, Paul the Apostle writes Timothy and tells Timothy that he is to make sure that people do not use the law unlawfully. Now, what does it mean to use the law unlawfully? That's kind of wild to even say. To use the law unlawfully. It means that you use the law of God as a bragging post to put forth your own perceived righteousness and goodness. And in our text this morning, Jesus Christ puts an individual who is a religious person on the spot in a synagogue in Luke chapter 13. And he shows him that indeed he's using the law unlawfully and ultimately shows him that he is not okay with God. And I love the text because it gives us an opportunity to go into the synagogue and visit on this particular day and see every single thing that's going on. So let's take a look at this if you can. Luke chapter 13 beginning in verse 10. Let's stand up in honor of God's word and uh, look at verse 10. You've got it there in front of you. Say amen. Amen. The Bible says, but uh, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, speaking about Jesus. And there was a woman who for 18 years had had a sickness caused by a spirit and she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your sickness. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. But the synagogue official indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath began saying uh, to the crowd in response, there are six days in which work should be done. So come during them and get healed and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox and his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? And this woman, a daughter of Abraham as she is, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from his bond on the Sabbath day? And he said this, and all of his opponents were being humiliated, and the entire crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things being done by Jesus. Let's bow together again. Father, take your word, put it in our heart, that it might bear fruit. May we be hospitable to Scripture today. Draw people to salvation who have come in here and think they're okay with you because they're good. God, use your word today to show them the truth so that they might come to know you personally. Help us all grow in our faith. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. And everybody said, amen. You be seated for just a moment uh, this morning. So a few things we're going to note about this time in the synagogue this morning and then we'll kind of bring it back around to this religious guy but the first thing that I want you to note this morning is that the individuals in Luke chapter 13 were going into the synagogue for worship just like you showed up this morning to come to church and to worship but there's some things that are true about what's going to happen in this worship service and let me tell you one of the things that is true about this worship service as well there are some of you who have come in here and you are doubled over by the devil you are doubled over by the devil look at verse 11 it happened then it also happens now there was a woman who was for 18 years having a sickness caused by a spirit and she was bent double and could not straighten up at all now I want you to imagine this morning that this person is you and that for 6,570 days you are unable to stand up straight a disease has attacked your spine And it's caused you to be doubled over to the point where you are unable and incapable of looking up. 
So that means for 18 years, you've not had the privilege of looking up and see the sunrise in the morning. For 18 years, you've not had the privilege of looking up and seeing the stars in the evening. You are doubled over by the devil. And that is interesting because the Bible teaches that that's what's going on with the woman in the synagogue. That an evil spirit has caused a disease to be placed upon her and she is bound up. Jesus says that she was actually bound in verse 18 by the devil. And the word bound is a unique word. It means to be tied up. It means to be restricted or chained or even, listen to this, imprisoned. Now think about this for just a moment. Satan for 18 years had restricted this woman by a terrible disease. He had her chained up. He had her put in jail for 18 years. Now, while not all disease is a direct ministry of the devil, it is biblically accurate that this woman had been doubled over by the enemy. The cause of this disease was sin. Now, the scripture says in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, speaking of Jesus Christ and testifying of him, saying, You know Jesus of Nazareth? How God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good, and check this out, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Now in our text this morning, this woman has been bound by the devil with a disease. Now there are some people who come into worship, even on a Sunday morning, and they are oppressed by the devil. Perhaps some of you have been subjected to an evil spirit which has caused a physical disease to surface in your life. The strain of your own inadequacy is so great that you feel you've lost the strength to even look up and to speak to God. Or perhaps this morning you have shown up and you have experienced a great spiritual battle in your life this week. The enemy is persecuting you with an intensity like you have never, ever experienced before. And in a sense, there is this heaviness upon you that seems to be closing in all around you. And the accuser of the body of Christ, the devil, he continues to slander you with his hate-filled words. The evil spirit's onslaught of discouraging remarks seem to pile up upon your back to a point where you have become spiritually immobilized. The weight of the oppression is so great that even though you have showed up to worship this morning, you cannot even look up and see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You're oppressed, doubled over. Now, to the physical eye, you look like everything is fine. To the physical eye, when you walked in, you were standing up straight, you were smiling, you had your best Baptist face on. But internally, the soul is doubled over by the enemy. An evil spirit has attacked you. An evil spirit is throwing insults at you and you come into worship and you are much like this woman and you are doubled over and while we're seeking to worship the Lord, the enemy is saying, you can't praise the Lord. Don't you remember what you did Tuesday, what you did Wednesday? Remember how you talked to your spouse? Remember how you talked to your children? Remember how you acted at work? You can't praise the Lord and the enemy is accusing, accusing, slandering, slandering to the point where you showed up to worship this morning but like this woman, you are simply bent over and you're incapable of looking up to see him. Now the text tells us that the woman experienced it for 18 years. 
And I don't know about you, how long it's been happening in your life. It could be 18 years, it could be less, it could be more, but there is absolutely no doubt whatsoever that the enemy is oppressing you. You used to be fired up about Christ. You used to have this passionate heart to beat for the glory of God. You wanted everybody to know the gospel. You would show up in a worship service and you could care less who was looking at you. You just want to get your praise on. You want to give your glory to God. And you wanted to leave here and aggressively share the good news of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. That used to be your heart. Something happened along the way. And now you come to church doubled over by the enemy. And when it's time to worship, you don't even look up. And the only reason you even showed up, some of you this morning, is because that's what you normally do on Sunday. You've been doing it for years, and you're just checking it off. All right, I went to church this morning. All right, I'll see you next Sunday. And you're just checking off this list, and you are oppressed. No worship. No praise. No heart. Seemingly bent toward heaven. It's amazing to think that this woman showed up sitting there in the synagogue, bent over, double by the enemy, and that is a phenomenal depiction of many people in here this morning, oppressed. But there's some good news. Y'all out there say yes? Here's the second reality of the synagogue. There are some who are made to look up. There are some who are made to look up. Look at verse 12, and I'm telling you, verse 12 has been all over me all week long. I love this verse. Uh, just letting you know on Mondays, I spend all day Monday studying to preach on Sunday. And I like for it to kind of sit on me all week long, so I type the whole thing out on Monday. And then by Sunday morning, man, I'm like a pregnant woman about to give birth. Y'all listening? And I cannot wait to share. And this, maybe not that extreme, but you get the point. <laughs> but this, my wife is like, you don't know what you're talking about? Four kids. But anyway, so uh, this verse is just tremendous. So take a look at it here, and we'll kind of break it down. Notice the Bible says, When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your sickness. Somebody's like, Free from sickness? Does the Lord Jesus still do that today? You better believe it. Now, let's kind of break it down because I want you to see this. This is awesome. The first part of verse 12 says, when Jesus saw her. Now, the woman was bent over, and while the enemy's work upon her kept her from seeing Jesus, the enemy could not keep Jesus from seeing her. Some of you are here this morning, and you are oppressed, and you are incapable. You do not have the capacity to even look up to God. But phenomenal news the enemy might be able to cause you to be bent over, but the enemy cannot see and keep Jesus from seeing you right where you are this morning. He sees you when Jesus saw her. Notice the second phrase, when he called her over. Now, as mentioned last week, oftentimes physical surfing was seen from a Jewish perspective as being a direct result of sin. She would have spent those 18 long years being ignored by others because of this, forgotten about, even disregarded. I would even imagine in a synagogue on that day, she would have been sitting all by herself. And while the devil's prison may have chained the voices of her generation from calling out to her, the devil could not on this day stop the word of the living Lord. And you may be in worship this morning and feel like you're all alone. Your oppression is great. It's caused 
you to realize that people are ignoring you. People are forgetting you. People are disregarding you altogether. Some of you students, you're like, my parents pay no attention to me. They turned their back on me. And you sense that the voices of this generation, nobody is calling out to you. You are doubled over and nobody is speaking. Nobody is seeking to help. Listen, the enemy can cause you to not hear the voices of others, but he cannot stop the voice of Christ. And the Lord Jesus is calling some of you over. I couldn't help but imagine what this must have been like. Here is Jesus fully capable, all right? So wild. You got to go to the synagogue. Y'all going to the synagogue with me? Say yes. That was like five of you. Everybody going with me to the synagogue? Thank you. All right. So anyway, we go into the synagogue, and we are there, and we see the lady. All right? She's sitting on this wooden bench all by herself. Jesus is in the front. He's up there teaching. People are listening to him, but nobody's around her. She's bent over as she's sitting on the bench. Her hair is just simply falling straight down to the ground. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, hey, come on over. Now, in my mind, as I read the text, I thought, Jesus, your legs work fine. Why don't you go to her? Why are you calling this woman who was doubled over by the devil with a disease to get up and to walk in front of everybody? Why are you doing that? You could go to her. Why do this? And you got to imagine what it would be like in that synagogue She's sitting there, and then the Lord calls her over, and she finally gets the opportunity to get up just a little bit. Her head doesn't even lift up. The common scene of her life is simply the shuffling of her feet, and now she makes her way over to where Jesus is. And you can see her, man. She's awkward. It's painful every single step. I know you've seen this before when you see people who aren't doing well and they have difficulty walking and you just hurt for them. And whenever she began to walk towards Jesus, everybody in the entire synagogue fell absolutely silent. Why would Jesus do this? Then I was studying and meditating and praying. It was as if I came to realize something. The reason the Lord Jesus called her over was to show everybody that he has authority even over the devil who has bound her up for 18 years. Come over here. Some of you have been bound up, man. But the Lord Jesus is calling you over. He has authority. Notice what Jesus said to the woman. He's like, woman, uh, you are freed from your sickness. See, the prison, the evil spirit had kept this woman in for 18 years had been unlocked by the spoken word of the Lord Jesus. His word never returns void. It always accomplishes that for which it has been sent out. And the term Jesus chose here for freed gives the imagery of a prisoner being released from jail. It gives the imagery of someone who is being untied and let go. And then notice verse 13, and he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. Can I tell you that as I studied this passage of Scripture that I began to pray for Concord here uh, differently this week? I've never uh, thought about it. It's pretty interesting. The more you study the Scripture and the more you learn, uh, the more you realize that your prayer life begins to change. So I began to pray for this fellowship because I'd never seen it like this before. So in my, if I can use that term, sanctified imagination, while I'm preaching this morning, each service while I'm preaching, there are people who have showed up 
and they are bent over and they are sitting down right now, but there is a prison cell around them and they are locked. They are behind bars. They have been tied up. Their throats have been gagged. They're sitting there, but they come to church, man. And the Lord Jesus this morning has been my prayer that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll blow across our congregation. That he'll blow across every single service that we have here. And you know what's awesome about the Holy Spirit? We have no idea how he's going to work. The Bible says he's like the wind. You, You don't know where the wind's coming, where it's going. All you see is the effects of the wind. And I don't understand how the Holy Spirit works. All I know is we have the opportunity to see the effects of the Holy Spirit at work. And so my prayer has been, God, by your Holy Spirit, blow across the congregation. I don't want this just to be another Sunday. There are people in jail this morning, and they need to be set free. So blow across. Call them out. Speak to them. Use your word to unlock the key that has bound them up so that they can be set free. And when they come out, untie their hands so they can once again lift them up to the Lord in praise and worship. And then ungag their mouth so they can say, glory be to God. There's no one like you. That's worship. And listen, some of you are not experiencing that. You're not walking with the Lord. You're not experiencing freedom. But here's the news, man. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when you experience the Spirit of God moving in your life, you are set free. And whenever you're set free, uh, you don't care who knows about it. That's why I like the song she sang. She could care less who knows about it. Some people... This morning are doubled up. Y'all still with me? Say yes. Because I'm fixing to hit the last point, and this is where it uh, hopefully comes back around. But there are some people in here who are doubled over by the devil. There's some people, listen, who are made to look up. And then there are some who stand tall by their own merit. They stand tall by their own merit. Look at verse 14 in your Bible. The Bible says, but the synagogue official indignant you might want to circle that indignant because jesus had healed on the sabbath began saying to the crowd in response there are six days in which work should be done so come during them and get healed and not on the sabbath day now whenever i read this first thing that really stood out to me is the reality that when are y'all listening say yes when jesus shows up to worship not everybody is pleased with it When Jesus begins to set people free, some of the folks who get angry and disturbed and mad are the most religious people in the whole bunch. And this man was not digging what was happening in the synagogue. And the reason he wasn't is because it didn't fall into the form of what he thought worship should be. It was outside the boundaries of what he thought worship looked like. It was outside the boundaries of who he thought God was. And by the way, he didn't know the Lord. But instead, he looks at everybody and says, All right, wait just a minute. Minute, wait, wait a second. You want to get healed? You got six days to get it, but not on the Sabbath. Jesus, you want to heal people? You got six days to do it, but not on the Sabbath. You know what he was doing? Are y'all listening? Say yes. He was using the law unlawfully. What he was doing is using the law to expose and to show his own self-righteousness. A lot of people do that. Some of you here this morning are doing that. You use the law of God like a ladder. You see this ladder I've got over here? I brought this uh, in my new truck. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Felt like a grown man. 
got in that truck. Lift that ladder up. Real careful not to scratch anything. And then I drove in real slow because I was afraid it was going to fall out. Y'all all right? But here's how to use it. Use the law of God like a ladder. So if you can kind of imagine just a moment, all of these little rungs on the ladder, each one kind of represent one of God's laws. And so this is what the guy was doing. He's like, hey, you want to get healed? Do it on any day but the Sabbath. Because, man, one of the commandments is that we ought to keep the Sabbath day holy, and you're not doing it. And here's what he began to do. He began to climb up the ladder of the law, and each step that he took, really and truly, this was in his mind, he was thinking that he was actually pleasing to God because of his own self-righteousness. I've kept the law holy, and some of you are doing that. Here's what you say. I've never told a lie. I've never murdered anybody. I've never committed adultery. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I've backtalked my parents, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this is when I really get scared because I'm really high. Y'all listening? So... And it's kind of funny because, and that's why I ain't looking at y'all, because the first service, I got up real high and looked out and almost vomited. Y'all listening? But it's like, man, I'm getting old. I'm scared of heights, you know, coming back down here. But here's how it rolls. People climb up the ladder of the law of God. I've got a kung fu grip on this thing. Are y'all listening? I ain't going nowhere, all right? Pry my fingers. But they get up on the, the law of the ladder, and what they do is they begin, and this is wild, they begin to point at everybody else and criticize and condemn them. How, here's how you know you are a legalist if you find yourself always putting others down because they don't follow your law. Here's how you know you're self-righteous, because you're always condemning people because of their sin. He missed it, man. The law of God is not designed so that you can elevate yourself. The law of God is given to us so that it would humiliate us. And listen, whenever you really look at the law properly and you see it, and you're like, okay, the Bible says you shouldn't tell a lie. Oh, but I've lied. The Bible says that liars will have their place in the lake of fire. I can't get on that wrong. The Bible says you shouldn't steal anything. Well, I've stole stuff, so I'm a thief. Thieves will not inherit the kingdom of God. I can't climb up there. The Bible says you shouldn't murder anybody. It's like, I'm pretty good on that. No, no, no. Jesus says if you have anger in your heart, it's considered murder in God's courtroom. I've been angry. I shouldn't commit adultery. I'm good on that. But Jesus said if you have lust in your heart, you've committed adultery already. So if you have lust in your heart, it's considered adultery in the courtroom of God. And so the law of God is not something you break. The law of God is something that breaks you. The law humbles you in your sin. The law puts you right here on your face. This is where the law puts you. And the wild thing is that some of you have come into worship this morning and you walked in standing tall because you thought you were okay with God. I'm a pretty good person, you say. But when you look at the law of God, it exposes your sinfulness. It magnifies the wickedness of our hearts. We don't see it as a ladder. We see it as a mirror. And all of a sudden, we see the perfection of our Lord, and we see our imperfections, and we bow low. Much like the guy did in the gospel who said, Oh, Lord, have mercy on me, mercy on me. I am a man who is sinful in heart. And he beat upon himself. This is 
where you must go to first even be saved. In humility, in humility, in humility. Think about it like this. Y'all remember the woman who was caught committing adultery? They took her. One of my favorite um, statements in the Bible, they took her and they threw her down before Jesus and they all had rocks. They're like, we're going to peg this woman, put her to death because that's what the law says. And the law had humiliated her. The law had exposed her sin and she's there on her ground and she's crying and she's weeping because she knows in just a few moments the last bit of her life is going to be snuffed out and she is tore up. And then all of a sudden she begins to hear behind her the thud of rocks hitting the ground. And then someone calls her. Someone touches her. Someone picks her up. And that someone is Jesus. And that someone is filled with grace. And he says, hey, where are your accusers now? They're all gone. Go and sin no more. Jesus lived to the standard of absolute perfection. He, never, he was born without sin. The Bible says he was born a virgin. Uh, the scripture teaches that the sin nature is passed through the seed of a man. And because he was born of a virgin, he adverted that. He missed that. So he was born pure, born spotless, without sin. The Bible says he's tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. If anyone had the right to point and condemn, it was Jesus. Yet he didn't. Because he came to call us. And I love this, uh, I didn't preach it, but let me just kind of tell you because it's wild. I love the fact that this Bible says that Jesus reached down and touched her. He touched her, he touched her. Nobody touched her, especially this woman in the synagogue. Nobody touched her. They thought she had some kind of bad sin. That's why she was doubled over. So if somebody touched her, the religious people were like, you're unclean. You touched that lady, you're unclean. But when Jesus showed up, he touched her. Some of you remember being in a worship service and the word was being preached and you were sitting out there and you were doubled over by the enemy or perhaps you were humiliated by the law of God and all of a sudden you don't know how to explain it but something happened and the Lord Jesus called out your name and he touched you. Somebody touched me. Some of you have never experienced that. And this morning, even as you're doubled over, even as you're humiliated by the law of God, even as you are here this morning and you've shuffled in spiritually like this, some of you far from God, if you will listen, if you will open up your ears to hear, the Lord is calling you. And he will touch you and he will make you stand. I just got to tell you this because it's in the text, all right? But Jesus is like, uh, hey, you all, y'all think you're so spiritual. Y'all got those donkeys, don't you? This is my Lula version. Y'all listening? <laughs> y'all got your donkey, don't you? How many of you on the Sabbath don't untie that donkey and carry it to get some water? And all of them, you know, they just have to look down because they, they do that. Every Sabbath, they, they untie, and Jesus used that terminology on purpose. How many of you untie or set free or let loose your animal so we can get something to drink? And you do that on the Sabbath. Why would we not show compassion on this woman who has been tied up by the devil? So what Jesus is saying, and please listen closely, he's saying you have more compassion on a donkey than you do a person. Here's the deal. In this text, 
and today, are y'all listening? Say yes. I'm about to close this bad boy out, so pay attention. Some of you came in doubled over like this. This is how you walked in spiritually. Uh, some of you don't know the Lord. Some of you know him, but you've been oppressed. You walked in like this. And if you'll listen, the Lord will call you. And although you walked in like this, you can walk out like this. Yes, freed up, baby. Freed up, freed up, freed up. Now check it, check it. Some of you walked in like this. I'm a good person. I'm okay with God. And if you continue to walk like this, one day, if you continue to walk this way in rebellion to God, one day God will make you like this. So the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And listen, if you don't bow the knee now, God will make you bow, and then you'll be separated from the very one that you've rejected all your life. So you tell me which is it going to be. You're going to continue to try to stand on your own merit, walking around proud, or will you listen for Christ calling you? That's what he does. He calls you through the gospel. Jesus was perfect. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus there on the cross died for you, bearing the wrath of God in his own body. He was buried and resurrected. He's coming again this morning. Jesus is reaching out a nail-scarred hand to many of you. He's encouraging you to take hold of it. And whenever you take hold of his hand by faith and you find in that moment that Jesus actually is holding the hand of God the Father and he brings you together, it gives you brand new life. <laughs> and I would more or less be like the minor prophet and say to you, seek him and live. Seek him and live. Deny him and you will die. But you can be saved. Some of y'all have experienced that, amen? Well, some of you need to. Some of you students, y'all look at me eyeball to eyeball. And I promise I'm done, but some of you students, you've listened to the gospel message all weekend long and deep service, you've tried your hardest, you've hardened your heart. You're like, I want none of that. Well, listen, based upon the authority of God's word, you do not know when the Lord will give you another opportunity to be saved. So if he's knocking on the door of your heart now, you flat better open the door because he don't have to come knocking anymore. Some of you parents... You brought your kids to disciple now. But you know, you don't know the Lord. You're walking far from God. You don't have a relationship with him. I'm convinced God brought you to church this morning so he could call you. He could call you. Say, come over here, come over here, come over here. And the Lord's calling you, some of you. Don't ignore him. Don't ignore him. Be set free. Set free. Set free from sin. Set free from death. Set free from hell. And set free to serve the one true and living God and his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's bow. Father, speak to hearts even now.